Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's most prominent media, we'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Experts Podcast. Lana Hills in the house. Hello, Lana. Hello, Nick Hayes. We've got a very special guest here today, Lana. I'm excited and nervous. You are a little. I think you should I am. be. Yep. He, he actually he, he owns part of Media Stable, so you should be. This is a, this is a big moment. This yeah. is you're in front of your, your two bosses. Media royalty, <laughs> right here. <laughs> His name is John Solvander, and for many, a lot of you will know of John as the director of media engagement at Media Stable, and it is a real little treat to have you here, John, because we're going to dive a little bit deep into your past, where you've come from. And because you're not the man that's normally been behind the microphone, you're the man behind the people who are in front of the microphone through your time at 6PR. Absolutely right. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great (laughs) thrill. As you know, I was um, pulled in here by my my ear to get me in front of the microphone. (laughs) uh, You've done well. (laughs) You've done well. I spent um, 20 years in radio and most of it as a producer. Yep. Um, actually, my first radio gig was with um, Neil Mitchell and at 3AW in Melbourne, and he sent me out to report on a um, story in Albert Park about the, the Grand Prix. Yeah. And I remember having to do a cross back to Neil, and I listened back to it, and I've got this terrible Kiwi accent, you know. <laughs> it's very and sexy. I said, <laughs> you know, Neil, Clark, who was the other producer, I said, mate, I don't think I should be a reporter. I don't think I'm ever going to be on air, but um, yeah, so you've got me here. Was, was that I don't a, know how you got me here. Was that other producer, Clark Forbes? It was, yes. Oh my God. So this, this seriously, Lana, you will, this is actually media uh, royalty for sure. I um, mean, yeah, maybe. Well, <laughs> well Clark, Clark's no longer. Cause Neil was, is, yeah, Neil is a, um, a legend. Neil's okay. a legend. Clark Forbes was the former program director at uh, 3AW. Yep. And you were the former program director at 6PR. I was, yeah. So um, it's a kind of a complicated story, but um, do you want me to tell you? Please do. Started? It's not that exciting, but um, I've told it a few times. So I was an um, adult student. I travelled for probably 10 years before I actually settled down and thought, God, I better do something that doesn't involve um, digging a hole or um, <laughs> nailing or something um, along those lines. So I eventually went to university in Melbourne. I did a degree in, a double degree in Japanese and media. That's right. Um, And my last semester, I got a professional attachment to um, Neil's program at 3AW. Um, The day after I started, the producer I was meant to be shadowing was sick. Right. And she was sick for two weeks. Yep. And Clark said to me, he's a fellow Kiwi, he said, I mean, just just do what I tell you. And <laughs> so I eventually was thrown into being assistant producer on this program for That's, two weeks. It's incredible. After one day. What an opportunity. Mm, it was, yeah. So Suzanne Brown, Suzanne, I'm not sure if you're listening, probably not. Suzanne Brown came back to <laughs> so to um, 3AW and to the morning program. Um, and about two months later, she left. And... Uh, 
I remember at the time I was painting a house. <laughs> and my girlfriend <laughs> rode around on her push bike because before mobile phones and said, 3OW just called, 3OW just called, you've got a job. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I started that um, that week. So oh. I went from painting a house to, um, yeah, wrangling talkback callers on, at 3OW. It, it is such a media thing to to take that opportunity, and you never know really. I mean, I don't think anyone sort of dives in and wants to be, a, for instance, a Neil Mitchell or wants to be a, a Ross Stevenson from 3AW, they, they sort of go and, you know, oh, I'll give this a bit of a go. You've, you've sort of got to take your opportunities when they come, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And I always say to people, if they're nervous about whether they can do the job, just do it. Say you can do it and you'll, you'll, you'll either sink or swim. It's not too dissimilar, Lana, <coughs> to, to being an expert because in many cases you've got to take those opportunities. You've really got to, uh, as John just said, you know, just say you can do it. You know, sink or swim maybe later, but, you know, Go and do it. Just take every opportunity that you can. Yeah, well, I mean, if you don't take the opportunity, someone else is going to. Correct. It may as well be you. <laughs> may Absolutely. as well be you, John. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> to be honest, the first time I, I, I walked into a live off-air radio studio for talk radio and saw the energy and the, the, the adrenaline that, that flows, and you guys know it, you do radio, you know, it, it, you get a buzz out of it. Yeah. You get a buzz out of being a producer and the, the – thing I used to love was um, hunting people down <laughs> and, and no, no, finding yeah. that great interview, finding that number that no one else had um, and persuading, sometimes persuading them to come on air. And sometimes that took, you know, that could take 15, 20 minutes to twist someone's arm. Now, I don't want to make this sort of your my moment in your life. What, no, do you, what, what do they call it? It's a, it's <laughs> this is your this, life. This is your life. Um, I don't want to do that, but I, I, I still remember the very first day that I met you and um, my uh, former employer, uh, a, a little business called Reheim, Lana, yes. in the media monitoring industry, uh, a well-known uh, entity in Peter Maher would run that uh, and fill in on occasions for yes. 3AW. Yep. And I just remember coming back, uh, I was running the Perth office and uh, I, was, I fl- flew back into Melbourne. Geez, when you just love to be flying back into Melbourne these days, you know, the fact COVID, you can't. I know. But um, flew in, went straight to a pub in South Melbourne, and there all of there was Peter with all of his staff, but also to all the three AW producers that he'd been lunching since twelve thirty. And this was now four thirty, five o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's had a skinful. Yes, please. But I tell you, those were the days, weren't they? Those were the good old days. <laughs> I, I thought you were leading to a question there, Nick. I'm not. I, but the point I'm making here, though, is that it, that's when you first meet people and, and they sort of make an impression. And I think when, when Peter Maher said, uh, meet John, John's at, by the way, he's heading over to your neck of the woods over in Perth. He's going to run 6PR from over there. And I said, oh, John, good to know you. Yeah, it was good. It was good to know someone that was over there, you know. So I remember kind of lobbying in, um, in Perth and I got – my company car, which was very exciting, and I drove down to uh, Scarborough Beach with the family and overlooked um, the water, that turquoise water, and I yeah. was just blown away. It was like, wow. Um, but it was the, the wonderful Steve Price that um, actually recommended me for the job in um, Perth. Wow. And he was a program director at um, 3AW at the time, and I used to I used to produce for um, Steve as well. Um and contrary to what, you know, you see on the project, Steve's, a, you know, a lot of that is just put on. And I think most people get it. Yeah. You know, that, that angry little man act is his act, you know. Yes. Um, 
off air, he's he's charming, he's funny, um, quite a, a bit of a hard ass to work with, but um, but he's a bit of perfectionist, tough isn't but he? fair, yeah. yeah, tough but fair. Um, we did some amazing radio together. Um, you know, we we sat outside a, a butcher shop in Footscray and. Uh, watched people um, deal heroin and were threatened by drug dealers on the street. You know, it was pretty, wow. pretty, pretty heavy stuff. Um, so, yeah, I arrived over here and um, when I left, the um, CEO, Tony Bell, um, the great Tony Bell, said, um, oh, you won't be there for long. We'll get you back over. <laughs> we'll get you back over to Melbourne soon. And, uh, yeah, never saw Tony and I've never seen Melbourne again. <laughs> well... It was a time when um, you made a slight little change on your LinkedIn profile, and and it was then that I actually I I, t- I love telling this story because this is I do get asked often, Lana, how, how, where did John fit into all of this? And yeah. So John just made one little change on his LinkedIn profile. I don't think it'd been touched in twelve years, and uh, I gave you a call up and said, "Hey, what's going on?" And uh, you know the the media landscape was changing. You've seen plenty of it. <laughs> What 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 was that like? You've you've been running Western Australia. You've been running Six PR for such a long time. What was what was your future looking like for 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 media? Did you think you'd be staying in it? Look, it's um, it's it's just the way it's evolved, and it's evolving now. You know, you, you see every week um, more networking, less management. Um, the, the you know. Some radio stations have had the absolute guts stripped out of them and, um, you know, that's quite sad, but um, I'm certainly not going to um, to badmouth my former employer because they, they looked after me very well, um, I must say, over the time I was And you do them. work very closely with them there at of the moment. Of course I do, yeah. <laughs> and um, I appreciate those, those opportunities they gave me, but... Um, I also know what what drives those big companies is a, is a lot about shareholder value, yeah, and it's a lot about the bottom line, and it's a lot about savings, costs, mm. sales. If the revenue's not there, it's just a it's just a sad reality of the media. It's very cutthroat. Now it hasn't changed. I just want to twist and change this a little bit there because I want to bring you in, Lana, here to tell me about your first impressions of John Salvandos, the the Director of Media Engagement at Media Stable because <laughs> you were a, a, an expert in, in your former life, so yep. before you, you became part of Media Stable. What's it like to meet with John and what's it like to work with him? And I know full well that he's sitting right here in front of you <laughs> and you have to tell him straight face to face, but... What, what, what is that feeling like? Because we had that little chat a little earlier. We did. Yeah, yeah, we did. No, when I first met John, I have to admit, I didn't realise the pedigree you came from. And I think it, it was a couple of months in that I was told, and I can't remember if it was by Nick or even by someone like um, Jenna uh, at Channel 9, that, you know, the, the background that you, that you have. So we just determined, let's just, just, you know, make this very clear. It's his pedigree and his media pedigree, not his New Zealand pedigree. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Let's just make that clear. I am a fan of a Kiwi accent. No more Kiwi jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, John, when I first met you, I I knew that you absolutely knew what you were doing and that you knew obviously how to get the best out of people. And I love what you said earlier about, um, you know, convincing people to do interviews. Um, But I wasn't 100% sure if you 
um, got me as an expert. I wasn't 100% sure of that. But the most gorgeous thing, and this is what I was saying to Nick earlier, I was like, you know, John doesn't say something is good if it's not good or John's going to just give me honest feedback. And like, I really appreciate feedback coming from people that are honest. And I remember when I wrote that first piece that you got published in the West for me, and I sent it to you and I just kind of vomited it out and, and sent it to you. And you came back and said, Lana, you write really well. I think I can get it into the West Australian. I was like, oh my God, John said it's really good. It must be good. And I think from then on, we've just had a gorgeous relationship. And like I said, we've, we fell in love from that moment and, and never looked back, John. Thank you, Lana. <laughs> but I think I think that's really but important. Yeah, I think, I think can, that, can I just yeah, please do go back to what Lana said when she said um, she didn't think I got her. I I don't <laughs> think I got you at first either. Yeah, because I, I didn't know you could write, and um, ah. you know, you're a small business coach. I think at the time, yes. and, you know, small business coaches. No offense to any small business coaches out there, but you know, it's not always the most sexy kind of, you know. A bit dry, yeah. It can be a bit dry. But, you know, you once we dug down into beneath the surface of that small business coach and that's my job is to find those stories and to yes. find the talents and mm. find, you know, where the, where people can actually work best in the media. Yeah. Not everyone is good on camera. Not everyone's good on radio, me included. Um, <laughs> but some a good people, job right now, John. Some people are fantastic <laughs> writers. Yeah. So if they're a fantastic writer, you know, you, you nurture and encourage that. And that's what I found out about you. Oh, thank you. Well, we were talking about it earlier, Nick, because I think that's something that experts maybe sometimes get wrong. And it was something that I I know it took me probably a good three months to wrap my head around how my expertise needed to be kind of positioned to be attractive to media. And John, you were absolutely pivotal in me. It's kind of like learning a second language. For someone mm. like me that doesn't, I didn't come from a media background. Um, I still feel like I'm a bit of an imposter most of the time. Um, but it is something that takes time. It is learning a totally new skill set. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and I guess this is the great opportunity here to quickly discuss with you, John, around what you know, being an expert and what someone who is looking to go away and engage media. And I think the distinct difference between what Media Stable offers and maybe a public relations company offers is that you tell it how it is. You actually give proper advice as in the really, sometimes the hard stuff that you've got to take. Whereas there is probably more of a tendency from a PR company just to sugarcoat it a little, you know, sort of just go a bit more fluffier. You tell it how it is. Why is that important, John? I mean, why, why do we have to let experts and commentators know what is the reality around whether this might be attractive to media or not? I think there's a couple of re- a couple of things that are important. One is that we work in a very fast-paced environment. We're busy. Everyone's busy. So, look, it, it just cuts. It doesn't. Wa- it don't waste time. Mm. You know? yeah. Don't 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 sort of beat around the bush and you know try not to hurt feelings. And I, I certainly never set out to hurt any feelings. But I'm more than willing to say something's not quite suitable. But I will always offer. An alternative. You yeah. do. So rather than just say, that's no good, it's more like, look, why don't we try this angle instead or let's develop that part of it and leave that part of it out. And often, you know, I'll edit something and send it back to someone and I'll say, oh, that's great. Just sort of, they don't even notice it's missing one of their key points, which is... 
<laughs> I don't know, which is, um, I think, a, a, a benefit to the expert for sure. Yeah. I, I love the way that you go in behind the scenes. And you, you mentioned it earlier too around the backstories and the stories that what experts think is the story. Yeah. There normally is you have to go another 180 and head into and find out a little bit more behind the scenes as to sort of let's scrape the surface and find that real story. And I think you've, that is what a good producer would go away and, do, and go right. and do. And yeah. a good program director uh, advises and looks after its producers to to really encourage that. That's that's key to what you do. Yeah, yeah. And journos speak, you know, they sometimes call it bearing the lead. So, you know, you, you'll read a – sometimes I'll read an article from someone or they'll tell me something, uh, tell me a story and just drop something in casually and I'll be saying, oh, my God, you did what? Yes. And it's like that's the angle. Yeah. yeah. You know, so sometimes it's just knowing what the angle is, you know. And everyone's got a story too, you know. And, we're, and Nick, as you know, we've, um, we've drawn out some really powerful and wonderful stories from our experts – aren't necessarily, um, you know, attached to their expertise, but they do do help to um, create a profile. And um, just speaking of Tamara Cook, who we, we yep. I'm not sure if you've spoken about Tamara recently. We had her on um, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that experience was all based on one simple conversation we had in the kitchen. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. When I, we were talking about the Black Lives Matter and – and that just came out of Tamara. That that was passion. That, yep. that was just her letting truth. it all out and her truth. You're right. Yeah. And um, so that that's the part of what we do, and that's key to it is to get the story that's underneath the the veneer, if you like. I love that, and not <laughs> not that everyone who's listening to this particular podcast is going to get an opportunity to speak to you in the kitchen. To find out that backstory, <laughs> but you do do it, and you manage to do it over the phone via Zoom and all the other different means and methods, mainly over the phone. Um, I, I want to ask you a question: What story? This is completely without notice. And what story has? I mean, I, I think that what you've just mentioned there with Tamara Cook and Black Lives Matter, I mentioned it in the podcast two or three weeks ago that I, I think it was one of the most important pieces of media that Media Stable has ever done. What what else has come up in your time? The four years you've been with Media Stable. Oh. What, what have been some of the significant stories you've been a part of? Gee, there's been so many. Um, often it's just the, 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 the thrill, like Lana said, of, of getting someone their first piece in a newspaper. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to, um, trying to big note myself here, or, but there have been so many. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know there has. The, oh, <laughs> you've kind of put me on the spot because now I'm thinking, oh, my God. Well, can I? I, I mean, there was one, you, you know, one that just out of the blue came and I remember a disability advocate called um, Ben Aldridge, who's a wonderful guy. He yes. yeah. lives down south. Um, and we weren't even aware, but a, but a piece we'd put out on the media board had been picked up by Studio 10. mm and then out of the blue, I, th- I think I saw it on social media, or one of us said, hey, there's Ben. He's on <laughs> Studio 10. And we were like, oh. and literally that was one of the first things he did. And yeah. he was so delighted. Yeah. And he did such a great job. Yeah. And, um, but to be honest, there's hundreds of those stories. Mm. You know? I, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to showcase any particular ones, but I think the ones that I've, I've actually been quite fond of is the ones that have made 
not just a distinct difference for themselves, but also too for their organisations. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I look at things like Chorus and I think of Interlife. Yeah. Um, and Interlife yeah. particularly was one that, uh, Lana, a, an op-ed piece put into the paper, but just what was driven from that, and not just from his own network, but then the calls that were coming in, they're significant moments. And, there's, and it sort of just reminds you why we do what we do here, mm. is that we are here to change lives, to change businesses to bring businesses alive more than just what's on paper. They're, they're actually big live entities that do make a difference. And I, that, that's the sort of stuff that, you know, gives me a kick. Yeah, that, that gets you out of bed in the morning, you know. That, that, and that's one of the things I loved about radio was that you're in that, that kind of um, very, what's the word? Um, you're in a position that, is, that, that you shouldn't take advantage of, but... But you can certainly leverage. You 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 can help. You can really help. So true. And I remember when I, w- I worked at Six um, PR and we did a, did a fundraising thing after the Bali bombings and with these orange um, ribbons and some of the family members of people that that were affected came in and we put these ribbons together and then we sold them and we we raised money and you know that kind of stuff is. Um, Special. What radio stations can do. Well, I remember though. I think during COVID, wasn't it during COVID? We helped out, or you guys helped out. You guys, as in our media engagement team, um, a business owner who oh, I can't remember. They were closed or something. They could, and we got their story into the media mm. during COVID. I should have done some research before <laughs> I threw that question. I feel like it was a swimming pool related recreation oh, centre. Yeah. Oh, we did Melbourne. something with Swimming WA and oh, and. Oh, Melbourne. and yeah, and in, um, that's right. They were having trouble with the local council. Yes, yep. that's it. And I remember you got some water in your eyeball, Nick Hayes. Oh, no, it just it, – <laughs> no, I, I don't get emotional. I've, I've 25 Never. years cynic in media. But um, no, but that was a difference because it, it did save that business's life in, yep. in that it was – raise awareness around it. You can We can be very critical of media sometimes in the way that it sometimes looks at stories and can get quite negative. But when it does something really positive mm. – and, and in this particular case, this uh, swimming pool, it saved its business – and that's the difference because once it was once it went to print, the state government had to step in, and the yeah. state government stepped in and saved that business, which is uh, which is such so a pretty good feeling. powerful, very powerful. So, um, John, who who who's been inspirational to you in your media career? Oh, who, who's good been the, who's been the influencer? Look, it's probably two people. One would be Clark Forbes, who was, yep. was my immediate boss with when I started with Neil Mitchell. Um, and the other would be Neil. Um, certainly, he taught me a lot. He taught me a lot about um, a work ethic. Extremely hard worker. Like, mm. Never stopped. Um, and also, his attention to detail was was, ah. was was quite amazing. And his memory and his knowledge of um, um, Victorian politics and history. Um, and he used to put you on the spot so often. You, you know, you. you tee up an interview for him the interview would be on hold you'd be coming out of an ad break and then neil would say what's he going to say and you'd be like (laughs) with about five seconds to go and then you'd have to type something on the screen really quickly and then clark was just the absolute kind of laconic cynic behind (laughs) behind the scenes is that where you get it from john possibly possibly (laughs) but 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 a very sharp man extremely funny and um, very clever with words too. 
great film critic. He wrote um, film reviews for the um, Sunday Herald Sun for a long time. Very, wow. very, very generous man too. He was very generous with his time and and also too his because I, I I went down and visited him a few times while just even launching Media Stable and and he got it. He sort of got this whole concept yeah. of what we were trying to do. And I think some people don't quite get it. And, John, I, I want to throw back to you the time when you were a program director. And, Lana, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I tried to avoid John Solvander like the plague. Why? Because I didn't want my, the program director of 6PR know that I was communicating with all of his producers and oh, reaching out and letting them know the pictures and the stories, etc. It was a very quiet thing. But John, you were aware. <laughs> I mean, I didn't quite keep it a secret from you. You, you, you I were was aware. aware. Yeah. And yep. I think you sort of, you got it. You got it pretty early. You understood what it was about, but you didn't particularly like it at the beginning, did you? Look, I, I suppose it <laughs> was not so much. I didn't like it. I, th- I thought at the time that that some producers were using it as a crutch. Yes. Rather than as a um, as an add-on, as yeah. something you know, something to 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 use as a service, um, and that that you know, again, probably old school. You go and find your own stories. Yeah, you wait for someone to call you, then you follow it up, and you you know, you you dig something out. I mean, the 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 reality is now today that that the speed of the media cycle, the the numbers in newsrooms and producers is so tight. That I can, I can well see why the media board and media stable is bloody useful to people. So, in your twenty-five years in, in media and and with all different roles, what what's been the biggest change? What what has been had the biggest effect on the way media has worked? <clears throat> I think at the very start, I would say the mobile phone. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. When I first started, I think Clark had a brick, and you know, brick. <laughs> it's a New Zealand brick. <laughs> Brick. That's New Zealand for brick. brick. Except <laughs> in New Zealand, they all wore it walking around with actual bricks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he had this massive mobile phone with this huge antenna. But we also had um, every phone book in the country yes. in the newsroom. Yeah. So you think you wanted to find someone in Townsville. Wow. There was nothing online. So yeah. you had to go to the Townsville book. Um, phone book. <laughs> <laughs> Look up Mr. Brown oh, in wow. Townsville, ring up 15 Browns oh, in Townsville, course. then hope they were at home. And then, you know, so so research for, for, for um, stories yeah. was bloody hard. It was long, it was laborious, and often it was just hit and miss. Incredible. You know, once the mobile phone came in, that, that, that transformed talk radio. Yeah. For a start, you had that ability to find people. Then you had the, the the wonderful bonus of having people on the road. Yes. You know, to ring in. Immediacy. To, to report, yeah. you know, reporters on the scene. Otherwise, come out of court, go and find a, um, a public pay phone. Yes. Call into the, new, you know, I mean, it was pretty clunky. And I would have said mobile phones. Now it's probably the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, look, we I don't need to talk about that. But for talk radio... Certainly the mobile phone was, was a game changer. And all relatively recent, you know. Like it, this has happened in, in my lifetime, yeah. in our lifetimes. Yeah. It's I think we forget. Yes, we, forget we do. How long ago. Yeah, no, it, it, it wasn't that long ago. I remember working media monitoring and I, I remember sitting by the fax machine watching the faxes <laughs> go by and watching the releases come out and it was like, oh, my God, Father. And then today 
I tell you what, you know, there was a, there was an image there of a bin sitting right underneath the fax machine for all the faxes to go in. It, that's just different now. It's email. It just goes straight into trash because yeah. there's just that much rubbish that's going on. John, we're, we're winding up. We've got to go to the news shortly. <coughs> but I, I, I would love to get your top three tips to any expert out there. I normally only ask. We only ask, don't we, Lana? We one, do. One, one, we're one going to give John some luxury We're going to give him, you know, just the respect he deserves. Offer it up because, you know, <laughs> you work with experts every single day. And you break them down. You you work out on what their real issue, is, you know, what they've got to deliver, um, and you prompt and push and probe experts. What what is what's your best piece of advice? And what have you seen that some of the best experts do uh, that actually makes them the best that are around? I think one of the one thing I do struggle with, and I, I we we talk about this often, is. Um, experts who want to be in the media but don't consume any media yes um yep. that that's a little bit of a bugbear for me because it's um <laughs> fair enough it's uh it's kind of frustrating because if you want to be part of something you've got to understand it yeah yeah and it doesn't matter whether it's the media or whether it's you know fixing up a vintage car unless you are immersed or interested enough to actually do some research on it, mm. it's going to make your journey very difficult. Exactly. So find the media you want to be in. Like, like you know, target it. You know, um, identify your target. Think of why you want to be in there for a start mm. and then go after it. I, I just had a really good session with someone and um, she came back. She said, I want to be in these three three publications. Great. That is my goal. Yeah. Yep. And for us as a company and people that like goals, that is perfect. Mm. Okay. Yep. She she wanted to be in the age, wanted to be in the Australian and in Forbes magazine. How, how are you going so far? You've got them all in all three? Um, just finished uh, half an hour ago next time. <laughs> quite. Well come so, on. Yeah. What are so you that, doing? <laughs> so that that one you know consume the media. Yes, great call. Or at least identify the media you want to be in. And then, I, then, you know, work out what you want to be. Mm. You can't be a jack of all trades. Yeah. Like identify what is your expertise and don't say thought leader. There's no <laughs> such thing as a thought leader. For the love of God. Hang on, what, thought, about, what about that program that is thought leaders? Uh, look, thought leaders is, is, a, is a, just such a broad Nothing kind change of change maker subject matter expert. Well, hang <laughs> on, I, that's better. Identify <laughs> something that means something that has a meaning. Yes, I know um, what you mean. You know that 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 gives the media context straight away. Yep, yep. So they say, "I'm a small business advisor." Okay, yep. that's good. I, yep. I understand what you do. Um, it's it's like Scott Haywood, the finance guru. Yep. I mean, he's not. You know, I won't be going to him for social media advice. I think I'll go to him for finance. So it's, it's something a bit of a label. Yeah. Bit of a so tag. so really find find and identify yourself that, so that the media know what who you are. Yeah. They get yeah. you straight away. Yes, and make it tangible and easily understood. Yeah. All right. And you got you got one last one. Nothing else. Nothing else. I'll leave it to you. <laughs> I've exhausted me. Nick. I don't argue I've with John Solvander. It's a big deal, in any case. And not many do. No, look, this has been a bit, very special moment because, like I say, no, John, you you, you very you, special for me. Well, you laugh at this because it actually it, it is very difficult to get you behind the microphone. And I think you know of the the fifteen sixteen odd years you did spend at uh, at six PR, I was monitoring. 6PR almost the whole time and very oh, the only time I ever heard you come on I think it was when you were leaving 
and and I think when you arrived. So th- that was about the only time I did see it. And you got about you got about three minutes on each time, and um, and that was it. But it's uh, it's been good. And I think most importantly for experts and commentators out there today, and this is the reason why we do the experts podcast is to help you be better at what you do for the media. So the best that you possibly can be. Uh, the media is going to appreciate it, and uh, and ultimately you will too. Pretty special this one, Lana. Oh, it's, I'm feeling a bit of mosh. Can't lie. Oh yeah, a bit teared up. Oh, that's gorgeous. Well, look, so am I. Can oh, I go now? John's John's desperate to get out of here. I can tell you. Hey, uh, thanks for joining the Experts Podcast. Uh, if you are ready for the next one, we'll be interviewing some media and uh, possibly another expert. But we look forward to having your company next week. C- catch you soon. You have been listening to the Experts Podcast powered by Media Stable. To get in touch with the team, head to the Media Stable website, mediastable.com.au.